everyone, I'm Nati, and I'm the down-in-the-dumps nerd who is okay with raising a murderous alien plant. And I'm Z, and I'm the blonde bombshell who doesn't know how to get out of her toxic relationship to a quote-unquote dentist that should have had his license revoked a long time ago. Help me! Ah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget how squeaky and how nasally dear, dear, dear Audrey's voices in this movie, because that's right, everyone. We're talking about Little Shop of Horrors. Woohoo! <laughs> and fun fact, I think that the Ellen Green, like the actress for Audrey, she was like 29 when she did this. So she was really like selling the, the naive, youthful girl really well. Damn, I would yeah. have never guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think it was the squeaky voice. That's what got me. Yeah. No, no, no. What do you mean? I thought it was uh it was her shoes. That's what made her seem really young. Just her shoes. It was or the the wigs, perhaps. Oh or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. This is only uh an Ellen Green wig appreciation podcast now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Thank we only for talk about that wig. That's it. Nothing else. It's the only thing worthy of our attention, of course. Woo. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's get into summarizing Little Shop of Horrors. So it's a 1986 American horror black comedy musical film directed by Frank Oz. And it's an adaptation of the 1982 off-Broadway musical comedy of the same name by Alan Menken and Howard Ashman and is in turn a remake of the 1960 film Little Shop of Horrors. Wow, that's a lot of remakes. Yeah, so it was a film, then a musical, then a musical film. So it reached its final form. Yeah, I see. It's like the plant. It was just evolving all along. I get it now. (laughs) Exactly. Just needed some human sacrifice. No, no, no. This is what it means. Okay. It means that the muse, the little shop of horrors is actually the symbol of the Audrey too. Like, you know, little shop of horrors is the real thing that's taking over the world. We cracked it. Oh. We cracked the code. I'm here for the 4D remake because you know that has to happen. Oh I'm yeah, here the for better it. remake where Audrey <laughs> 2 is also the Little Shop of Horror franchise. Who's gonna do it? Yes, I yeah. I will give you money to do yeah. this. There's yeah. nothing I love more than plants, especially plants that can kill me and plants that are secretly franchises. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, for those of you who don't know, um, this little shop of horrors, the 1986 version, is about a geeky florist shop worker named Seymour who finds out his lucky Venus flytrap has an appetite for human blood. Mmm. Mmm. Yummy. <laughs> yes. Blinded by the promises of wealth and fame made by said lucky space plant. Seymour is torn between satisfying the plant's hunger or his own hunger for love and success. And the plant's hungry for human bodies. So there's that too. Yeah, as they do, of course. Yeah. The film stars Rick Moranis, our friend from Ghostbusters. My favorite. loves. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Ellen Green, Vincent Gardenia, Steve Martin, and Levi Stubbs as the voice of Audrey too. 
The film also featured special appearances by Jim Belushi, John Candy, Christopher Guest, and Bill Murray. Of those four, I only know who Bill Murray is. <laughs> there, there, there's honestly, it's a pretty impressive cast of oldies actors, or at least oldies to us, you know. Oh, okay. So I should, we're going to watch more <laughs> movies. So I actually <laughs> learned the rest of these names. <laughs> yeah, it seems yeah. like we're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Produced on a budget of $25 million, the largest, especially for that time. Oh, yeah. It was well-received by critics and audience alike and developed a cult following, which isn't hard to do, Nati says, since it has Dutch catchy tunes. <laughs> I don't know how to type, okay? It's a, wait, what's it supposed to say? Such. Such. Oh, I thought Dutch catchy was just an I changed it. You're welcome. <laughs> You just went along with it. Like it might be something low, you know, like down low that nothing knows about that. She's going to explain. I'm I'm just like, I don't know movies, whatever. (laughs) Once again, my inability to spell has triumphed. It's all good. The film grossed 39 million, which from the point of view of studio was bad, which is sad. However, it became a smash hit upon its home release in 1987 on VHS and Beta, Beta Max, that old technology that failed, right? Honestly, I, and in like full disclosure, I did Mm -hmm. copy this section a little bit from the uh, Wikipedia page because I have no idea what Beta was. I think it's Beta Max. Let me check. It's just like, yeah, it is Beta Max. Oh, I watched a like, 30 to one hour long documentary on what beta max is oh my god how bored were you it was fun it's basically like (laughs) it was meant to compete with the vhs and it was a better technology supposedly it like displayed clearer and everything but like vhs was like more popular and it's a classic economics like example of like just because you have better technology doesn't mean that you're automatically going to win as like the product of choice in the marketplace I'm looking at you, Apple. I'm looking at you. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Apple kind of sucks. Hmm. I mean, Android isn't that much better. Yeah, we can we can we can talk about this later. Yeah, okay. Can, All can... phones are bad. Okay, next. <laughs> yes. Hi, my FBI agent. I know Whoa. you're listening. So Nati suspects that an overwhelming part of the budget went towards Audrey 2 themselves, since not a single plant scene was made with CGI, blue screen, or opticals, with the exception of the electrocution thing scene. There were six different growth stages that made the puppets. Stage puppets that were made in every singing scene was shot at half speed to make the movements look more natural. So yes, this meant that Rick Moranis had to lip sync every one of those scenes and move at half pace as well. Which is insane because you could never pick that up just by watching the movie. Like this is my second time watching it. Mm-hmm. And I I honestly thought they were CGIing everything because, you know, we live in the world of CGI. Yeah, and the fact yeah. that it's puppets is just so satisfying because it makes this movie age so well. Yeah, that's true. Like it still looks good today. And- and like, yeah, I, I had no idea either. I, I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that while I was watching. And I was just like, okay, it's happening. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's just this giant singing plant. It, yeah. It's awesome. Technology somehow <laughs> it's working. 
<laughs> you saw the electrocution scene. You're like, no, yeah, it's it's still technology. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, they had to clean, repaint, and patch up the plants um, after every single day of shooting. And that could take like three hours. And the largest form required 60 puppeteers to perform. Oh my God. Which again is insane. And I I just added in this little blurb because Mm -hmm. I love these stupidly large film productions that had Mm. an insane amount of really niche people like puppeteers and puppet creators and stuff like that because it really just, it went into making a great film. Yeah. Oh my God. You should have watched the end then. You should have watched the ending. Okay. Because the ending... It was like, so obviously for those of you who don't know, this Little Shop of Horrors had two endings. There was like the the theatrical ending, which was basically just like, oh, you know, um, what's going on? So Seymour is greedy. Seymour is like, you know, feeding the plant human human bodies and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and like in the theatrical ending, he defeats the plant, right? So like the plant's eating human bodies and he just goes, well, wait a minute. Um, this is not good. This plant's getting too powerful. This plant wants to take over the world because yes, the plant wants to take over the world. So he just electrocutes the plant, the plant dies, and then he lives happily ever after. Mm-hmm. But the original ending was like amazing. Okay. The original <laughs> ending was like the they had miniature trains, miniature buildings, and like regular what? size plants so there was so basically in the original ending the plant succeeds the plant kills seymour the plant kills his love audrey audrey and the plant just takes over the world so there was this one scene where it's a miniature train going this way and then the plant's mouth is just open on the other end and the plant just eats the whole train all right the audience can't see this but my mouth is wide open i need to watch this oh my gosh and then there's another scene where like the puppet plant blows into like a factory chimney and the factory explodes (laughs) i don't even need an explanation i accept this wholeheartedly and i want to see that that was where the 25 million dollars went and it's a shame that they had to take it out i'm kind of shocked like the fact that the original musical ending itself didn't do well with test audiences so they're like ah we have to actually let them live like that's insane yeah you know yeah, no. I'm, I'm assuming people would have already been exposed to the the actual stage production back then so they should have at least known how it would have ended and i don't know maybe it was like different times or something and they were just like no save our couple I was like watching a couple of other critics talk about this. And what they were saying is that um, like Frank Oz accidentally made Seymour and Audrey too likable, too sympathetic. Mm. Cause like this film kind of downplays the fact that Seymour is murdering people. Cause he doesn't actually truly murder anyone. He kind of just yeah. is like, he kills two people. Basically the first one is just like the first one, the guy's already addicted to laughing gas. So he just suffocates on his laughing gas and Seymour mm-hmm. doesn't stop him. And then the second one, Seymour just kind of goes, oopsie daisies, now you're inside the plant. Okay, bye. And the plant <laughs> eats the guy. Yeah, yeah. So- sorry, Mr. Shopkeeper who kept me off the streets when I was an orphan and gave me a job. You're dead now. You're dead now. Sorry. <laughs> you're not important to the plot. So bye. Bye. Okay, I could definitely see that because there were moments where I was just thinking like, 
yeah, I, f- I feel bad for Seymour, but also he's very complicit. Yeah. And I don't understand how he's getting away with everything. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was like main character syndrome or something like that, you know? Yeah. So you can like, you can kind of see it when you're watching it and thinking about it. But like, to me, I saw it for the first time. And I was like, Seymour's nice. Audrey's nice. I want them to be happy. I like the happy ending, even if yeah. it does like kind of go against like the themes of the story, basically. I think, yeah, I think I like it because, and I don't know, like, if this is what audiences really wanted with the musical, maybe that's why the musical wasn't as successful, but mm. maybe it's because the the characters want, or the, sorry, the audience wanted to see the characters experience some growth mm. instead of only facing the action of their consequences, which again, they, they probably should have done as well in like a side scene, but yeah, so maybe they were craving that growth. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's possible. So, so yeah, it's like, eh. yeah. Oh, and at the end of the original scene, the mm-hmm. plant bursts through the movie theater screen. Like, yes, there's a, there's a picture. Like the the scene is like the plant ripping the the projected movie theater screen as if to come out and eat everyone in the audience. As lo- okay, so as long as we get like one singing dancing number, I would gladly be eaten by Audrey too and its little buds. <laughs> I 100% I'm down. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm totally fine, by the way. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Audrey 2, if Audrey 2, if you're listening out there, uh, Nati, Nati is willing to be your snack. So just uh, go to mm-hmm. Texas. It'll be fine. Yeah, just hit me up. You know, we're going to have some P.O. Box info real soon. So just hit me up. It's fine. Just let me know. <laughs> Just let me know. Woo! All right, so let's go for a quick break. And we're back. Woohoo! Woohoo. So, what did you think overall, Z? I, like I said, I initially liked the happy ending. But now upon thinking about it more, I do think that it just like went against the themes because like someone was saying that like the themes of the movie is letting your bad desires corrupt you. So like the Mm -hmm. laughing gas dentist loved laughing gas. So he died. (laughs) And then like uh, the guy who kept uh, Seymour off the street um, also kind of abused Seymour. (laughs) Mr. Mushnick. I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> that one? <laughs> he was he was not the best. Like, you could definitely tell he had a... He was a caring individual, but I think he was caring in his own way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We can yeah. get more into it in a sec. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there was an argument that he let his greed for the plant, like, mm-hmm. overtake his care of Seymour. So that's why he died. And then yeah. obviously Seymour like originally was supposed to get eaten the eaten by the plant to represent the fact that he couldn't resist like the success or like the 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 thing the fame and all the things that came with the plant basically the love the love of Audrey <laughs> that's oh my god I sound like Steve Martin for a second there perfect perfect <laughs> you're really getting into it thank you for giving it to me I kind of didn't but thank you. <laughs> 
All right. So, okay. So you yeah. kind of ish liked it then? I think overall it was good. It was fun and it was good. Not sure about the endings, but yeah, okay. it was fun. Okay. What about you? I'll, I'll take it because this is, and feel free to hate me. Oh, dear audience. This is my favorite horror musical, which is a hot take because there's a lot of great horror musicals like Sweeney Todd. And I totally get that. But this is just a, a really fun, upbeat, um, just a, a very unique story. I love the mm-hmm. fact that it's looking at an alien space plant. Like, that's weird. I like the fact that a lot of the music is m- based in Motown. Mm, um, yeah. Both Z and I are very familiar and have a lot of love for Detroit. So it it definitely rang with me in terms of, you know, the nostalgia aspect of that. Mm, mm. Um, and the fact that there was an incredible Greek chorus throughout the entire film. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. That was super unique. I've never seen that before. Yeah. Uh, in, in a musical. So I, I loved it. I love this film. There are definitely yeah. parts where I cringed. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, it's a movie from, like, originally the 60s. I'll give it a pass. Yeah. No, you know, actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because now I'm like, oh, so that's what a chorus is for. Because before when I would read plays, I'd be like, why do we need a chorus to tell us everything? Why can't they just tell us what the plot? But, like, you know, now I'm starting to see, oh, a chorus can be useful. Cool. (laughs) It can have different outfits and be cute. I love it. It can have great voices (laughs) and sing super high notes and just make you feel like (laughs) everything's fine, even if the world is ending. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Maybe it was the nostalgia aspect, but it, it also kind of made me think back to Hercules Mm-hmm. And the the five different muses there being used as a Greek chorus, a literal Greek chorus, because you know mm-hmm. it's Hercules, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I love this film so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I haven't seen that many horror musicals, so like I can't disagree with you on that. I definitely like it. So I'll just say yeah, so far it's my favorite horror musical because I've only seen Sweeney Todd to compare it to, and I do like this <laughs> this concept a lot better. Sorry, sorry, sweetie Todd. Oh, and this is a perfect segue. But I also love honestly anything that Rick Moranis is in. Uh, Anything. I will watch uh. it. (laughs) I had such a weird crush on that guy as a child. I will watch it. She's a little biased. I'm yeah, I'm very biased. Oh, so what did you think about Seymour? I don't know. Like I said, just like. (laughs) Yes. That's what I thought. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, he was definitely like he was definitely an interesting character to look at because Mm -hmm. he's presented as being this very innocent nerdy character mm-hmm. and then the the moment that he meets Audrey too and he realizes how things can change he kind of starts to lose sight of his own morals mm, which yeah. which like yeah is kind of crappy but it's also good to see in this type of film because you yeah. do see him grow from it yeah um and you also kind of slightly not really see him deal with his own issues such yeah. as his love for Audrey, his hatred of her super abusive boyfriend. Um, And also the main storyline all comes back to Seymour and Audrey 
wanting to get out of Skid Row. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of interesting to me that this was a 60s movie because the opening song mm-hmm. is this whole narrative that's centered around the woes of capitalism and ah. just yeah and just yeah. how shitty it is for blue collar workers to survive yeah. and it's basically about everyone being like we have to leave skid row so you definitely like set the intentions early on yeah but it my my little side note was that it's really interesting how that's a narrative that was originally contrived in the the 60s and yeah. is still very much applicable today in the yeah. 2020s. Oh, well, like that's another point against this like crappy theatrical ending that we got though, because mm-hmm. like, you know, like, yeah, Seymour and uh, Audrey get out of Skid Row, but like Skid Row itself is still going to exist. Yeah. But then again, having the plant take over and destroy <laughs> society is like Skid Row doesn't exist anymore, but neither does the suburbs. Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> you like this yes yes <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's uh it's a lose-lose either way in my book yeah like at this point you can't win uh I, i'll go i'll still go with the audrey 2 ending it's fine okay okay <laughs> no see what i do question though is like okay seymour wants to get out of skid row but like like, I don't know if there was something, like, more legitimate he could have done to get out of Skid Row rather than kill people and feed it to a plant, you know? Like, you know, because another thing is, like, you know, maybe Audrey wants to get out of her relationship with her, like, abusive boyfriend. And, like, at the risk of, like, for the storytelling part of this, you know, like, she just, she doesn't do the thing that she needs to do, which is to walk away mm-hmm. from him. And like, I mean, I know like in real life, there's this discussion around victims, but it's almost like, like, you know, it's not the victim's fault that they're being abused. But like in the story, it's like Seymour and Audrey both want to get out, but they don't necessarily do the things that they need to get out, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can. I definitely agree with that. And Mm -hmm. that was one of my main complaints against Audrey's character is that she's so one dimensional. Yeah. The only thing she wants is to have a cookie cutter 60s housewife type of life Mm -hmm. with plastic on the couches and TV dinners and howdy doody on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when she's actually confronted with the situation of like a possibility for something better, like Mm -hmm. when uh, evil dentist boyfriend Oren dies mm-hmm. she immediately rejects that reality and she's like no he can't be dead and it's like Audrey I get that you cared for him but like everyone was telling you he was so bad like girl yeah yeah so it's like it's like like you know their their actions aren't necessarily the mm-hmm. logical actions one would need to take in order to get out of their situations yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with that for sure. Yeah. And yeah. actually, you know what? The more I think about it, yeah, you're right. Audrey's not that interesting. And like, to be honest, <laughs> neither is Seymour. They're they're both kind of like one-dimensional, but I think their mm-hmm. actors are so charming that they make yes. them seem like they're more, and that's why people didn't want them to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree with that because yeah. on one hand, you have the super sympathetic nerd. Mm-hmm. who just loves plants and he and Rick Moranis has a thing where he can look sad all the time and you just want to give him a hug <laughs> and I think maybe that's why I love him so much is I just want to hug him all the time 
And then Audrey's she's meant to be this beautiful blonde and innocent bombshell. That's exactly how they typecast her in this film. Yeah, yeah. So I I can definitely see why people were like, you can't hurt them. Yeah. They're my favorite. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like even though they were typecast, they were just both so individually charming that they they make them feel like they're sympathetic good characters, even if we're not necessarily meant to like support them in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What else did you think about Audrey or Seymour? I never really thought of Audrey as boring before. You know, I thought of her (laughs) as like sympathetic. But when you just reframed it like that, like all she wants is the cookie cutter 60s life. I was like, yeah, why exactly Mm -hmm. did both of them seem so interesting? And it's just I'm just realizing how good the actors were right now. (laughs) it's all the vocals baby it's all the singing if people (laughs) sing they're gonna make you feel bad for them so the solution is to never listen to singing (laughs) just don't do it only instrumentals that's it (laughs) no singing music no vocal music you got it okay now your brain is safe good (laughs) you can't be brainwashed by plant-loving nerds like me wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute Nadi has like a million plants, by the way. Just, just so yeah. you know, yeah, a million. I, I very much feed into the plant mom stereotype for Zoomers, and I don't care. I only want more plants, and that's that's fine. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess my only other comment for Seymour is that I, I understand that this movie is supposed to show how your own greed can Mm. get in the way of your your values and your morals and stuff like that yeah and that's why it I honestly even even now I still struggle to watch the scene when Mm -hmm. Seymour feeds Mr. Mr. Mushnick sorry Miss (laughs) Mr. Mushnick Mm -hmm. um to Audrey too ah because like that was his only father figure growing up you know and I I understand Mushnick wasn't perfect also he was trying to blackmail Seymour it, it was just like that type of conflict just hurt my soul because it was like, no, you're supposed to be there for each other. You guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I sort of saw Mushnik as like abusing Seymour throughout the film, you know, because he was like, I took you out of Skid Row. You better be grateful to me. Otherwise, you ha- I took you out of the foster care. If you don't have me, then you have no one else. You better be grateful to me and you better do exactly what I tell you. That's kind of mm. how I saw his character as. So like, mm. you know. But I think you're more correct. I think I was just overwhelmed by the singing. So I just didn't get a clearer idea of this movie. <laughs> the second the plant started singing, you're just like, what? I support the plant now. You go take over. <laughs> Eat everyone. <laughs> Do your thing, Audrey, too. Do your yeah, thing. As long as you eat everyone to music, it's fine. I get right. Exactly. I accept it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe I just like maybe the only reason why I'm so uh impartial to Mr. Moshnik is because I love grumpy characters mm, because mm. I myself am a very grumpy person and so <laughs> I definitely vibed with this energy of like oh what another day without another customer of course like it was just so it, it was just so like stereotypical but also enjoyable well I've like I haven't seen that stereotype a lot oh my god of the grumpy old man I love that 
like I know that it's a stereotype I guess I just like I haven't seen it like because all the grumpy old men I can think of are like characters like Mr. Dursley and he's just grumpy (laughs) (laughs) that's his only setting yeah that's and that's the only one that I can think of right now but I just Uh I would definitely say that I have not seen as many like grumpy but nice characters but I could also be blanking very hard yeah 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 I'm I'm also blanking very hard actually yeah Yeah. (laughs) I feel like there's someone in Harry Potter who is like super grumpy but also very uh endearing Snape Snape yeah I mean but there is a huge controversy around Snape so I don't know if he's endearing (laughs) or abusive Mm, yeah we get it oh yeah we can talk about this another time uh, another time but i i'm not team snape that's all i'm gonna say yeah so like you know uh-huh. i don't i don't know if he's grumpy but endearing uh filch no he's just grumpy <laughs> he just has a cat and i'm here for it yeah yeah we support his cat um, yeah. yeah yeah if i had to chase after some dumbass 13 year olds running around at night in a giant ass castle I would be pissed off too. Actually, you know, the more that I think about this, the more I think back to that time that I was like living in a dorm with high schoolers and like, oh yeah, I'd be grumpy too. Oh yeah. Now now (laughs) that you just mentioned it, now I understand I would be grumpy too. (laughs) (laughs) I've never experienced that, but I'm sure I would be pissed off. Yeah, I was grumpy too because I (laughs) could not keep smiling all the time while dumb things happen around (laughs) There's just a garbage fire in every corner, and you're just like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of grumpy, because mm-hmm. I don't know how to do segues. Mm-hmm. Speaking of grumpy, let's talk about uh, the weirdo, abusive dentist dude, Oren Scrivello, played by Steve Martin. Yeah, I think he is obviously like the most like quote unquote evil character, mm-hmm. and. You know, I I guess if the film had because I, I remembered thinking about the music that they played when he was entering and how he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm evil, but I'm really cool and I'm evil and I'm cool and I'm evil and I'm cool. And like, <laughs> I I almost wish that the music had leaned into that like harder. Like, I feel like with the other characters, like with mm. Seymour, it's like, I'm really scared to kill this guy, but I have to to feed my plan. I'm so scared. Like. I wish that the music in general had leaned into like this evil but cool thing, which might have made the characters less sympathetic, if you know what I mean. I mean, I'm always here for more evil dentist songs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I th- honestly, I think Steve Martin's performance is the mm. reason why I love this film so much. Ah, like him and only him because he. Oh my gosh, every single scene he's in, he pulls the most crazy Jim Carrey because I have no other comparison base. Jim mm-hmm. Carrey like facial expressions and he's just super like manic with energy and I love it. I love it. Punch that nurse in the face. I love it. Do it, dude. I see. I see. Yeah. No, I liked I liked his faces too. I don't really know much about Jim Carrey, but I'll agree that he was like super over the top and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Wait. Have you never seen the Grinch? Which Grinch? Like the the, the the live action one. 
I remember seeing like part of it, but I was oh. scared of it for whatever reason. <laughs> I mean, that makeup is terrifying. I do not blame you. I don't remember why I was scared. I just remembered being scared of it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to watch this anymore. You just, you're just like, oh no, the spirit of Christmas. Oh. Ah! <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I liked Orin's character the most because mm-hmm. I too am terrified of the dentist, mm-hmm. M- much like many others, many other folks. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely terrified of the dentist. Please don't ever touch or lick on my teeth. Thank you. Um, and the fact that they made the bad guy be a dentist just because he could like distribute the most pain was mm-hmm. just so perfect for me. I was just like, yes, whoever wrote this, you get it. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I am not afraid of the dentist. Um, how? <laughs> I don't know. You just kind of. You just kind of have to just like zone out while it's happening. Just be like, I can't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like, what are no. you doing in there? I want to no. know. But like, I mean, I do get like the, the pain analogy and like, like, I do think that they like, they, they definitely did play to like a common fear of people. So yeah, I do see where it's coming from. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I just remembered the scene, the mm. the intro scene for the dentist mm. when he's talking about how his mom was like, you need to find a profession that's right for you. Yeah. And then he goes into the closet and there's a shrine of his mom that yeah, I'm assuming yeah. is deceased at that point. Yeah. And that is some psychotic ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that they put it in the film. No. Oh, wait, you thought it was psychotic? I thought it humanized him. <laughs> oh, no. No, if complete you have a whole ass shrine. Completely uh, opposite takeaways. No, I mean... It's it's definitely part of my culture to have altars like that to to honor the dead, but when he when I saw that scene, I was like, no, there's but something even, wrong here. As a Mexican who celebrates Day of the Dead, I still think this is overkill. <laughs> this is something is not right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm gonna take your interpretation over mine because I just remember saying, oh, at least he cared about his mom, but like. I, I would not be surprised if he killed her, honestly. He seemed that psychopathic. Actually, you're not wrong. He could have killed her. Why did I think that it was good that he liked <laughs> What am I doing? <laughs> I there, there was a lot of moving pieces in that scene. Like, there was a guy clenching onto the ceiling tile. Oh, yeah. He was yeah, so yeah. scared. And that shit yeah. was so funny. <laughs> God, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still happy his character died though. That was good. I mean, he definitely should have died. He died the <laughs> right way by his own hand, you know. But unfortunately, it did kind of make Seymour more sympathetic. Although I mean Seymour technically chose not to help him, so then there's that too. Ugh. Yeah, like this all comes back to what I was saying that Seymour's still very much complicit. Hmm. And it's a little bit easier to ignore his sins just because. Hmm he didn't directly cause the death of the deaths of Orin or Mr. Mushnik. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to do it every single time. I'm sorry. So yeah, like even though I felt bad for Seymour, I was still like, no, you, you still suck, dude. You still kind of suck. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, like, I, I think I just, why did I take away all the wrong emotions? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a different way of, of viewing no, that's things. That's true. Right? But like, yeah. I mean, you got, you got Mr. Mushnick is a good guy and Oren Scrivello is evil and sadistic. And the fact that he worships his mother is not a good sign. And I got Mr. Mushnick is abusive and Oren Scrivello is kind of nice because he likes his mother. I, I don't think. (laughs) I, I think, I think we're both right in our own way. I'll give it to us. Yeah. 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 Sure. Okay, but we can at least agree that Audrey too is evil, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we could agree on that. Mainly because it had no face. If it had a face and saying like that, I probably would have been like, and Audrey too was 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 right. <laughs> Audrey too should have eaten everyone from the beginning. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Audrey too should have just eaten the whole earth. It, it would have <laughs> been great. I just. <laughs> Okay, quick side note. I love how convoluted the explanation for Audrey 2 was. Like the character of Seymour was in Chinatown plant shopping one night and then there was a random eclipse and it's like, oh, look, alien plants. (laughs) That's such bullshit. I'd love it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is... That is the perfect example of creative, lazy writing, which I greatly appreciate. Yeah. Oh, you know, I do think about like Audrey too, and like all the moments in which it was quote unquote tempting Seymour mm-hmm. because like, I don't know. I didn't view it as it tempting Seymour. I kind of viewed it as Audrey too, desperately trying to survive, which is once again, I feel like I'm not taking away the right messages from this movie. I mean, I definitely saw it as as both instances, you know, like in yeah. the in the beginning, it was very easy for Audrey to to just tempt Seymour mm, yeah, because that was like in the start of the fame. Yeah. But then later on, after Seymour had been exposed to that fame and was realizing he really hated it mm-hmm. and he like some of his guilt was coming back to him. That's when Audrey to genuinely started begging him like, hey, you can't do this. Yeah. That's that's true. Yeah. And I guess like at the end, Audrey too literally attempts to manipulate Audrey one into into being his like lunch or whatever. Oh, and yeah. also one thing I forgot in the original ending, Audrey one gets eaten by the plant first and Audrey one tells Seymour be famous, you know, like let mm-hmm. it eat me. I'll sacrifice myself, but you take the plant and you get famous, which is so messed up. Yeah. I, I can definitely tell I can it's really easy to see why people didn't like that original ending now because yeah. that just seems so so cynical no but like I mean like at the same time though I feel like it falls into the theme of the movie <laughs> better too because it's like Seymour's literally destroying himself and like because I feel like that would push him past like the point of no return you know like because for me if I view Mr. Mushnick as like abusive then it's okay that he died but if then Audrey dies, then you realize, oh, Seymour, you're going too far. You're just letting this plant eat everyone that you love as well as everyone who was hurting you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I got, yeah, no, definitely. I gotcha. Yeah. You can, you can also clearly tell in the film 
mm-hmm. where they decided to cut to the alternate ending. Yeah, yeah. You see Audrey almost being eaten by the plant. Mm. I don't I don't know. Honestly, I don't know which ending I would prefer the most. Yeah. No, I think like thematically the original ending just works a lot mm-hmm. better. I just I wish that the tone of the movie were a little bit darker so that way people were kind of prepared for that original ending. Yeah. Yeah. That for sure. That yeah. would have definitely meshed better. Yeah. You can't give me a a Motown singing alien plant and expect me not to fall in love with everything in it. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, Audrey too. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this film. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Levi Stubbs for having voiced Audrey too. Yeah. Um, and another fun fact that I found out while heavily, heavily researching this film mm-hmm. is that one of the main puppeteers for Audrey too was Brian Henson, mm-hmm. aka the son of Jim Henson, aka the guy who created the Muppets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Puppeteering runs in the family, I guess. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I love it. I love that it's a, it's a niche family thing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. And yeah. the, also the fact that Levi Stubbs was part of the Four Tops, which is a Motown band. Hence our love for Detroit. Uh, okay, and now we already talked mostly about the, the Greek chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do appear in the movie at one point as like completely unrelated characters. Oh, like the the street urchins? Is that yeah. what you're referring to? Yeah. yeah. I wish they tied them together more. It would have helped me personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think I remember when we were watching the movie, I pointed it out and you're like, what? No, it isn't. That's not them. <laughs> I, was I was like, like yes. I was like, why are they just different characters? And I was like, why? Just cast different people if they're different characters. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but but I love that because it's like a it's like something you only notice when you're watching the film for a second time, you know? So it's like a nice little Easter no, egg. I noticed it the first time and I was like, why are the chorus suddenly street urchins? What happened to mm. them? <laughs> who hurt them who i will hurt, hurt them, them. <laughs> yeah yeah i will avenge them yeah or like is there an artistic message that lies behind having the chorus also be street urchins if so why is it not explored further i i honestly think they just ran out of money at that point <laughs> and they were like awesome. we can't afford any extras get in there get in there go <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. Oh, on the upside, I didn't hate Bill Murray in this movie. I thought he was interesting. <laughs> what? You not hating Bill Murray? I like this. It's like on and off again. You liked him in Zombieland. Kind of didn't like him in Ghostbusters. Because he was generous. just a straight up jerk. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was not the best. I mean, here he wasn't a jerk. He was like weird, but like he wasn't a jerk. <laughs> He was super weird. So, okay, so for the folks who haven't watched this movie, which, again, you should, um, Bill Murray plays this hyperactive masochist 
who visits Orwin like randomly in the middle of the movie. This has nothing to do with the plot at all. They just put it in. Mm-hmm. And and he he essentially is just like begging Orin, aka Steve Martin, to hurt him because that's his kink. And it's just so uncomfortable because Yeah. No, the dentist is like bringing out the bigger, fancier drills, and the builder is like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> and it's it's so funny because Bill Murray's kink is like receiving pain. Um, the dentist's kink kind of is giving pain. And so it's kind of like these two things are meshing in the scene and you can see the dentist become uncomfortable. And it's so funny because it's just like, dude, like what? this is your dream and you don't like it? Like what? No, they should have gotten together and then that would have ended the movie. <laughs> I'm here for it. I would ship those two together. <laughs> any that would work. That would be a healthy relationship right there. I, honestly, yeah, I was half expecting Bill Murray to like sneak in a little like peck on the cheek or something, you know, like something 80s acceptable, <laughs> but no. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad they didn't have that since Bill Murray did improvise most of his lines in those scenes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was fun all, times. All improvisation, like what the wow. heck? Wow. Okay, now I like Bill Murray for this movie. I agree. Not so much for Ghostbusters, but for this one, yes. Yeah, he was he was definitely funnier in this movie. He was a little bit too self-serious in Ghostbusters. That's true. Yeah. In this one, he was definitely just having fun. He's like, hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Oh, drill me, baby. Ooh. Oh, God, Bill Murray. (laughs) All right. I think we've made it through the entire character list. Oh, my God. Do you have any closing thoughts, Z? Watch the original ending. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be like nothing and actually watch it. (laughs) Yeah, it's on YouTube right now. So go watch it. It's 11 (laughs) minutes long. So... do it (laughs) i mean it skips the part where the audrey two eats audrey one so that's why it's 11 minutes long but it's still fun to watch oh i was wondering why it was so much short okay it starts with uh audrey two eating seymour that's where it starts um yeah i'd still watch that okay um my closing thoughts is that i freaking love this movie it aged so well i can't believe that they put in enough money to create six freaking puppets that's insane that's absolutely insane in my mind and i'm jealous that rick moranis got to sing with the giant uh, man-eating puppet plan i wish i could do that half speed at half speed exactly yeah at half speed (laughs) and it looks so good i'm so jealous (laughs) all right everyone thanks so much for joining us for this episode If you want, check out our Instagram page at the underscore spooky underscore corner. Ooh, you can, uh, you can also email us at spookycornerpodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for us. And check out some of my questionable horror movie blogs over at Nati, N-A-T-Y-S, Nati's spookycorner.com okay see you all next time